Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everyone? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and as always, thanks for tuning in to the OCR Underground Show, where I'm going to provide you with some great info and content to help you crush your next obstacle course race. Uh, if you want to check out today's uh, show notes, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 96, and you can check out any links mentioned in today's show. Now, um, we're coming up on the end of the year. I know there are a, a few more races coming up, so you might be squeezing in one or two more races for this year, but most likely you're you're probably planning ahead and, and starting to look at the 2023 season. Um, I'm really excited to check out the uh, Epic Series race. Uh, if you're going to be in the SoCal area, they are going to be at Bates Nut Farm on Saturday, January 14th. Um, if you haven't heard of the Epic Series, we've talked about it a few times on previous episodes. A uh, really fun uh, race. I think it's going to be a great way to start the year out. They have their Epic Course, which is over 25 obstacles. Each obstacle has three levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Uh, it's about two miles of running, no mud, uh, kids race, uh, lots of fun stuff there. Uh, and they also have their Elite Course, which consists of the Elite Strong uh, Strength category elite endurance and then they have their every joe and jane category uh so uh, various exercises kind of more of like a strongman competition and then uh weights and reps determined by the the category that you do uh but i think it's going to be a fun event um i'll put a link uh, to uh epic series website in the show notes and if you do want to check it out make sure you use code ocr underground you can uh save 10 percent off but uh it should be should be a fun one, and like I said, a great way to start the year. Um, in today's episode, I have uh, some great info for you. In my research review, uh, I'm going to talk about carbohydrates and specifically how uh, manipulating when you eat or when you do not eat carbohydrates, how that can impact some uh, endurance adaptation, specifically looking at mitochondria. So I think uh, I'm actually going to look at two studies that kind of show one, how you can help the process and another that you might be hurting the process. So really good stuff there in my research review. Uh, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I uh, started talking a little bit about this in the last episode, but I wanna dive a little bit deeper into kind of a little bit what I'm doing right now. It's, it's off season, so some of the focus uh, that I've really paid attention to and how I've changed my training. And just wanna give you a few key areas that I think you wanna focus on. Right now, uh, if it is your off-season, most likely it is, even if you might be racing still or have a couple of races coming up, I think now is the time to work on some specific things. So uh, we'll touch on all the things to consider with your off-season training. And then and finally, in my interview section, I have a great chat with SGX coach uh, Gina DeSanto. She talks about uh, her trip to uh, Greece and doing the, uh, the Spartan Trifecta World Championship out there. Um, also going out to the uh, DECA World Championship uh, and just kind of talks about her, her prep and her, her experience with those two really fun events. 
And then uh, we also touch a lot on uh, overcoming injuries. She had to overcome some, some pretty significant injuries throughout her career. And she kind of talks on how, how she was able to, to handle that and get back to uh, racing competitively again. Uh, but before we get into today's episodes, I just wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about our sponsors. I know I talk a lot about recovery on the show, but really there's no need to focus on recovery if you're not training at, at high enough intensities and hard enough. As I get older, I'm always looking for every advantage to help me maximize my training and, and really push myself to another level. Uh, this is why I'm so happy that I found out about the Amino Company. They offer a 100% science-backed essential amino acid formula called Perform, helps build your endurance and prepares you for harder training uh, sessions and workouts. Perform has been shown to improve muscle performance, reduce fatigue and recovery times, and increase training effects from workouts. It's keto-friendly, soy-free, vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Perform is formulated to minimize muscle breakdown during exercise and maximize muscle growth after exercise. You can check out their science by visiting aminoco.com OCR. I've been using Perform for a couple months now and really been loving it. I'm working on building some serious strength this offseason, and it's really been an important piece to help with my training. I'm always looking for products to help boost my training without sacrificing my health in the process. Uh, and Perform uses clean ingredients and in clinical trials more than doubles mo muscle protein synthesis. If you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting peak athletic performance, I definitely think you should check out Perform. Uh, right now, you can get 30% off uh, when you visit AminoCo, that's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash O-C-R, and make sure you use the discount code O-C-R at checkout. After those hard training sessions, we do need to talk about recovery as well. If you find yourself struggling with sore muscles and joint aches and pains, I highly recommend you check out Venga CBD Recovery Balm. It's an all-natural beeswax-based topical CBD for muscle and joint pain. They use a patented water-soluble technology that allows the CBD to sink more deeply into your skin to provide relief and faster recovery. Uh, it's also enriched with both lavender and eucalyptus essential oils to give added anti-inflammatory and anti-anxiety benefits, which makes it smell great too. So you're not dealing with pungent menthol or super strong peppermint odors that pretty much everyone around you can smell. Uh, the recovery balm loosens sore muscles and relieves joints uh, no matter when you apply it. So you can use it in prep for a workout or to help recover from it. To check out the Recovery Balm and other CBD products, visit vengacbd.com slash OCR underground. Uh, definitely use code OCR underground 25 and you can save 25% off your first order. Or you can use OCR underground 50 and save 50%. That's right, 50% off your first month's subscription. Now, let's get into today's episode. In today's research review, I want to talk about carbohydrate restriction. And unfortunately, carbohydrates get kind of a bad reputation. A lot of people associate it with, um, you know, sugar, which it is, and um, the assumption that sugar is bad, and that leads to uh, obesity and weight problems and things like that. And obviously, overconsumption of sugars or carbohydrates can lead to a lot of problems, but it is important macronutrient that absolutely is supporting the training that we're doing. Um, we just have to consume it in the right 
uh, quantities and hopefully high quality sources. Um, but uh, besides the uh, the weight management issues with with carbohydrates, I want to look specifically at um, exercise performance and in particular endurance performance. Now, uh, when I wrote my book Fuel and Fire, one of the big goals that I wanted to set out was to really just to get people to realize or, or think about at least the importance of nutrition and training and how these are not two separate things and they really complement each other in every training session that you do if you can think about the foods that you eat and how that can support the training that you're doing and lead to better adaptations ultimately we're going to get better results from it versus just randomly eating whatever foods might be there and then putting training on top of it you know obviously you're still getting benefits but i think we can maximize it and be a little bit more efficient now, I'm actually going to look at two studies here that I wanted to discuss. Both involve carbohydrate restriction. One is actually going to lead to um, boosting adaptations from endurance training, and the other is going to inhibit it. So it's important that we think about how we use, use uh, our foods to help support our training, but they can also hurt us at the same time if we're not careful. So the first one, both of these studies were from the European Journal of Applied Physiology, and they both involved cyclists, endurance and cyclists. In one study, they used uh, more elite cyclists. The other was more recreational cyclists, but I think we still can get a lot of information from, from both studies. Now, when we look at endurance training, remember the goal is to create some type of adaptation in the body that will ultimately lead to better performance. And with Endurance training, one of the key adaptations that we're looking for is increase in mitochondrial function. So remember the mitochondria, uh, the powerhouse of the cell, power plant of the cell, that's where uh, aerobic metabolism occurs. Um, lots of great things happen when we have more and healthier mitochondria for, for just overall health, longevity, and then endurance and performance. So if we're trying to increase our aerobic capacity so we can go for longer and, and faster, uh, it makes sense that we want to try and boost those mitochondria as, as best we can. So we're always looking for training strategies and other strategies to help support this this effect. So um, oftentimes in studies, they'll look for the, the genes and the proteins that are kind of uh, um, increasing this uh, mitochondrial biogenesis. So just meaning we're going to create more mitochondria, right? The more we have, the better aerobic capacity we'll have. So we can look at certain genes. In this case, we're gonna look at PGC1-alpha. Um, when this activity is increasing, it's a sign that we're starting to write the code to increase mitochondrial creation or biogenesis. So uh, it's really important that we can find things that help promote this. Now, typically endurance training in general is gonna be great at this and it's gonna help help improve the efficiency of mitochondria. So getting out there and running and, and doing your endurance work is obviously going to be helpful, but we're looking for any ways that we can boost this effect from, from training. So in this first study, they wanted to look at uh, glycogen status and how that might affect this gene expression. So what they did, they took uh, a group of cyclists and they had them perform a, a training session and they either did it with uh, low glycogen status or gl low glycogen levels or high or normal glycogen levels. So they would do this uh, 
through diet and through prior training status, right? So if you eat less carbohydrates and you work out a little bit, it's going to use some of that glycogen and you don't have um, enough or you're not taking in carbohydrates to replace it. So they measured beforehand um, to make sure that they were, in fact, uh, training in a reduced glycogen state. And, uh, and, and, and another time, they made sure that they had a normal glycogen status. Uh, so their, their training session was nothing crazy. They just had them do 60 minutes, and they were at approximately 64% of their VO2 max. And uh, so they did this either in the low glycogen state or in the normal glycogen state. So 64% of VO2 max is relatively low to moderate training, um, which has been shown to help boost uh, mitochondrial uh, efficiency. Uh, so they looked uh, before, right after, and three hours after, and they um, wanted to see, they took muscle biopsies so they can see was this gene increasing activation, which is going to lead to an increase in uh, mitochondria. And uh, ultimately what they found was a significant increase in mitochondrial uh, or this PGC1-alpha activation when they performed this exercise in a low glycogen state. So they actually saw an 8.1-fold increase versus a 2.5-fold increase when they did the same training in a uh, normal glycogen state. So like I said, both increase this gene expression, which is going to increase mitochondrial uh, uh, function and efficiency and number. So uh, keep that in mind. Both were good. But remember, we're trying to find better, right? We want to take advantage of everything we can. So what they found that when you train endurance training, low to moderate, at least in this case, in a depleted glycogen state, it can help boost uh, mitochondrial biogenesis, which is ultimate, ultimately going to lead to better aerobic capacity. So something to keep in mind. Now, remember, they looked at a low to moderate training load uh, because they were in that depleted state. So trying to do a very high intensity workout in a depleted state, uh, one is gonna be very uncomfortable and painful, but it may not lead to the same, same benefits. Uh, based on this study right here, we're specifically looking at uh, low to moderate training. So I know this is a topic I've talked about in the past, but I just think it's important to, to see how uh, restricting carbohydrates prior to a low to moderate training session could lead to better, ultimately better performance by increasing mitochondrial biogenesis. So an important thing to pay attention to there. Now, what if we look at on the other end? And that's what the second study looked at. So what if we looked at restricting carbohydrates post-exercise? Um, so what they did in this study was they had um, all, all the participants do two sessions, and um, these were separated by four weeks. And what they did was 60 minutes of continuous uh, exercise, so kind of like steady state training. Um, and then they finished with 30 seconds of all-out sprints, and they performed uh, a few repetitions of that. So they did kind of steady state, and then they finished with very high-intensity uh, sprints. So kind of uh, depleting glycogen levels here. And the, the study, in fact, showed that they significantly de depleted their uh, their glycogen levels due to this this training. Um, then basically all they did was give them a uh, carbohydrates post training, 
or they didn't. They gave him a placebo. So that was the the two the two uh, uh, things they were looking at. So what if we do this sixty minute workout plus uh, six thirty second all out sprints? Um, what happens if I give you carbohydrates and what happens if I don't? And they looked at this uh, before, immediately after, and three hours after again to see what happened in terms of mitochondrial biogenesis. They they were looking at again PGC one alpha to see was there an increase based on whether they got carbohydrates or not. So what they found was in the, uh, like I said, in both, uh, or, or this training session was successful for depleting glycogen levels. So about 90%, so a pretty significant decrease in um, glycogen levels. In the short term, this ultimately led to an increase in the PGC1 alpha expression. Um, but the interesting part was when they measured again after three hours, they, they saw a different story. And actually what happened in the group that was restricted carbohydrates, um, they saw there was a, uh, a disruption in muscle glycogen resynthesis, which makes sense, right? We're not able to replace the glycogen uh, stores that we just used in training. And we also did not see a significant increase in those uh, gene expressions to enhance mitochondrial biogenesis, where we did see it um, when there was carbohydrates available post-training. So when they consumed carbohydrates after their training, they saw an increase in uh, muscle glycogen resynthesis. Obviously, we're going to replace what we, the energy we just spent, uh, and we continued to see an increase in this expression of PGC1-alpha, meaning we're increasing that mitochondrial biogenesis. Uh, so it, it was blunted, meaning it slowed this, this process down when we didn't get carbohydrate, and it was sped up when we were able to, to refeed with carbohydrates afterwards. So um, I, I think this tells us a lot of information on at least with carbohydrates and how you can manipulate uh, when and how much even carbohydrates you're consuming uh, with your training. So keep this in mind. Sometimes there might be a time when maybe you don't want to consume carbs right after a training session. Maybe you are trying to deplete glycogen levels for the next training session in order to, to boost that mitochondrial biogenesis uh, the next day. So um, this is a strategy sometimes you will you will use, but I at least wanted to, to discuss these these two ideas and how you can use this to really help out with your training. So sometimes you may want to do some training in a, a glycogen depleted state. And uh, remember, you can do this through diet interventions or through the previous training session. So if I'm going to do it with the previous training session, remember then I am not going to consume carbohydrates after um, uh, my training session and then, uh, overnight fast, go into my next session in a depleted state, but then I'm going to want to consume carbohydrates post-training to further boost that, that training effect. So, um, hopefully that's, I know this kind of confusing because sometimes you may, uh, restrict carbohydrates post-training in order to boost it in the next session. So just keep in mind, always have a plan. Should you be consuming afterwards? Um, and just understand why you may want to, my, why you may not want to. Um, so time and place to consume carbohydrates beforehand, 
have in place when not to consume them. Uh, so for example, if I'm going to be doing a heavy training session, um, I may want carbohydrates before because it's going to help support the work that I'm about to do. But maybe I know the next day is going to be a much lower intensity training. So then I'm not going to consume carbohydrates right after that hard training session going into the next day, a little bit more depleted. And then I'm going to uh, go in, do my low intensity training session to help enhance this uh, mitochondrial effect, but then immediately post that low intensity training session, I'm probably going to want to get carbohydrates in there. So I know nutrition uh, can be a complicated topic, especially, especially when we start to uh, look at how its effects um, work with the type of training that we're, we're going to be doing. But at least you're hopefully thinking about uh, how I can manipulate um, my uh, carbohydrate feeding based on the specific goals that I have and the type of training that I might be doing on that day. All right, let's talk about off-season training. And always this time of year, I'm a big fan of really re-emphasizing the importance of off-season training. Um, at least getting you to start to think about your your training pro program not looking identical the entire year. Uh, there's certain types of training you're going to want to do when you're in the middle of your season, doing lots of racing, trying to peak, um, all those kind of things. And then when you're kind of far away from those big races, there's definitely other things that you want to focus on. And I've, I've just become a little bit more passionate about this topic. And I, I don't know, I, th I think it makes it fun too, because you, you start changing up your goals a little bit. And now, now this time of year, it, it really doesn't, ultimately you're, you're trying to help your next race. Um, that's obviously the ultimate goal, but it's, it's nice to get a break from that kind of as the priority and start thinking about other pieces that you can really prioritize with your training. So there's a few things I wanted to, to talk about things I'm doing in my training plan right now. Hopefully it'll help you uh, just get some ideas on what you can do right now if uh, if this is your your off season training and and it's kind of the reason I've been talking about some of the topics I've been bringing up on on the show. So I've already touched on a couple of these these things because I just want to keep reemphasizing these are all things you need to pay attention to and I think now is is a great time to do it. And uh, the first thing is thinking about you know what is your goal? What adaptation? would you like to see improve at this point? The more, and, and it's important to think, what's the one thing? What's the one thing you can do right now that if you could do this and get better at this one thing, it's ultimately gonna get you better at, at whatever you wanna do, whatever racing you wanna uh, accomplish. So for example, I might, let's say you're, you need to lose some weight. Let, you know, holidays are here, maybe a couple pounds heavier than you'd like to be. And uh, maybe last season you really felt just heavier, um, wasn't at your peak, you know, racing weight, then I would make that your priority. The adaptation you're looking for is to optimize your body composition. So your nutrition is going to reflect that, right? So obviously we're going to, performance is going to take a back seat right now because we're going to have to go into a caloric deficit. So being in a caloric deficit is not ideal for performance. It's hard to try and lose weight and be... Uh, at top racing level. That's why this time of year, we should make that our priority. So let's focus on getting in a caloric deficit, doing training that's going to emphasize um, 
more caloric burn, caloric expenditure, and all the other things that we need to consider with, with losing weight and uh, you know dropping body fat, increasing lean muscle mass, all those things. So that is going to be uh, the priority for potentially if, if that's uh, what you think you might might need the most work in. Um, maybe it's endurance, maybe it's it's strength. Um, and not that you can't do both of these, but it, again, just when you kind of really focus on like that one thing, it really helps you get really good at that one thing. And this is why, you know, in our research review today, I wanted to, you know, talk about like mitochondrial biogenesis. I know maybe not a term you're familiar with or have heard of before, but it's really important if you're trying to increase aerobic capacity. If you feel like endurance is your weakest thing, you're just not good at, you know, running. Um, obviously, you go run to help that, but we can do some things with nutrition. And now, now we start playing around with our diet a little bit so it can help support the main adaptation that I might be looking for. Um, so, that might be the the focus there. So I I think that's the a great place to start is think about, you know, what is the priority that I can focus on right now and, and just kind of go all in, go all in on that one thing. Not, and again, not that you can't do other things. Um, if you're trying to get better in endurance, you can still do strength training. You can still get strong, um, but that's going to lead to uh, the next point, which is something that I talked about in the last episode is really understanding this idea of the interference effect. So knowing that strength training and endurance training are two completely different stresses on the body that lead to completely different signaling and responses and adaptations. And these different signals can interfere with each other. So if you're trying to combine strength and endurance all, all the time, you'll get better initially at both, but you're never really gonna get that good at either one. So again, just having this idea of kind of go all in, but you can train both. We just can be smarter about it. You can, you can uh, re-listen to that last episode, right? Where we talked about some more strategies on optimizing the interference effect, um, but keep it simple and have a specific goal for every day that you're training. So the goal is not to just kill yourself and, um, you know, try and, burn a million calories or or just you know not be able to walk out of the gym the goal should be at, at least this time of year i think you, you kind of have two main goals i want to get strong i want better endurance keep those as separated as you can so i'm gonna go to the gym and lift heavy weights and this is something you know me personally this is this is how i'm setting up my training program right now i have my strength days so i'm in the gym three days a week hitting big uh, lift it, big lifts, big muscle groups, uh, more complex movements, and I'm just trying to get strong, right? So I'm, I'm lifting heavier loading, I'm doing uh, lower lower um, reps, and just trying to get strong at uh, some some big lifts, and and that's kind of my priority right now. But at the same time, I want to build some endurance, but I'm just separating these. So when I'm in the gym, I'm just doing strength training. That's it right? Uh, my heart rate's not getting particularly elevated, although obviously it's going to increase when you're doing heavy deadlifts and squats and things like that. You're going to see a, a heart rate response to it, but that's not my primary goal, right? That's a, that's a different thing than going and running sprints and things like that. So on my, my lifting days, it's it's just all about some numbers that I'm trying to hit, making sure I'm, I'm getting strong and, and that's it. And then done with the day. Uh, then on my endurance days, that is the goal is to build that endurance. And 
Right now, um, I am leaning much more towards lower intensity. You hear like a lot of zone two training is becoming really popular nowadays. Um, this type of training is great for a lot of things, but really boosting that, that mitochondrial function as well. So maybe not every day is this low to moderate zone two type work, but I am definitely doing that a few days throughout the week. So I uh, tend to, to stick to about two days of you know a little bit longer duration, lower intensity work that I'm out there running or maybe cross training um, and doing uh, the rower, the bike, or or anything else that is is just going to be able to get my heart rate uh, in that that zone. So um, that's that's kind of how I focus all of that. And then of course I still want to maintain some speed, and uh, I I am hitting some intervals, uh, but I tend to limit this a little bit more right now. And maybe once a week I'm doing that. Uh, so I have my my three strength days and my three more endurance days. Two of those being more more low to moderate intensity and all separated. Um, so I'm not combining these on, on same days. Uh, so yes, this is going to be like six days a week, uh, that it's requiring training. Um, but you know, all of them are, are you know, an hour or, or less. And in some cases, uh, and that's been the primary focus right now. So I'm not saying you have to do it exactly how I am, but hopefully that at least gives you an idea of that's, that's the setup. That's, that's the plan now. So what's the priority of that day and I'm going to go all in and and really really boost that um then we can maybe focus on some dietary things right now and I think this is a great time to to play around with with different types of nutrition strategies and um this is a, a concept I've, I've learned from Dr. Mike T, T. Nelson in his flex diet course uh, where he talks about you stress and distress and I, I just love this concept and and I think this is a great way to uh, uh, look at you know some of these nutrition strategies like we just talked about. Uh, for example, going into a training session in a uh, depleted state, so maybe doing like fasted exercise, um, you know performance is going to be uh, affected, right? You're, you're not uh, fueling the body the, the most optimally way that will support the training you're gonna do. But we know there is going to be a response to this that is, is going to be uh, beneficial, right? So we might actually train in a depleted state sometimes. And, and again, why I wanted to talk about uh, some of these things in, in today's research review, uh, but this idea of sometimes we're going to train in these hard situations to, to get that peak adaptation uh, and other, and, but this is a big stress on the body. So this is not something you want to be doing all the time. Some days you, you want to go more for the performance or that you stress model where you're going to support the the training that you're doing. You're going to do some, some interval training and, and you're going to consume carbohydrates beforehand. So again, this time of year, it's, it's a little time for uh, experimenting and seeing how you respond to these different things. Because, you know, I go over all these studies and I, and I recommend things that I do and I do with clients, but we all respond differently. And we, we need to play around and see, do you do well on a higher carbohydrate or a lower car carbohydrate or a higher fat diet or, um, you know, eating certain types of foods before or after, do you get a better response? So the idea is we're, we're just going to use this time to play around, change some things up, try not to do what you normally do, right? To just create um, your own little experiment, right? And, and see how this, this may benefit you uh, or not.
So um, it, all, all good, good strategies, but, um, you know, use kind of some of the concepts we talked about in the today's research review to see how you can manipulate carbohydrates and, and perform exercise maybe in a depleted state uh, and, and see the response you get from that. So um, hopefully that at least gives you a, a few ideas. Uh, another big thing I want to make sure I, I talk about that this time of year is probably better than any other is uh, get healthy, right? So if you've been dealing with some injuries, this is the, the this will be your priority, right? We talk about weight loss or endurance or strength. What is it? If you're hurt, now's the time to, to figure out what's going on there. So have you gotten it checked out? Have you done some PT? Um, whatever you can do. Do you need to get x-rays, MRIs? Um, I know all of these things are a pain in the butt, but they need to be taken care of. Otherwise, you know, we just kind of rest it a little bit and hope for the best that it's not going to keep coming up over and over again. So take the time, at least find a, a good diagnosis of what's going on so you can stick to things that you can do and you know aren't going to irritate it. Um, even if it's not something you can necessarily fix, you can at least find out, well, what things should I not be doing because of this condition or, or what should I be doing? And again, go all in on those things. If it's a thing where, hey, every time you do a particular exercise, it keeps setting it off. And guess what? You're going to take that exercise out of your program and just throw it away. There's plenty of other things you can do um, that'll hopefully be more beneficial than just trying to do something because you've always done it or think you need to do it. Uh, and I can tell you there's no one exercise that you need to do. It's, it's uh, just showing up and doing the work and there's lots of different ways you can do it. So uh, don't, don't be married to any one thing in particular, especially if that's causing, causing some problems there. Um, so those are all the things that I, I think are ideal to focus on right now. So your off-season training plan, number one, let's set that priority. What do you think you need to be working on? Is it endurance? Is it strength? Is it getting healthy? Is it weight loss? Uh, you know, pick the one thing and you might feel like, hey, I need help in all of those. Let's focus on what do you think is the most important thing? If you could just check that one thing off, what's it gonna, what's gonna make all of the other things you do that much easier? Uh, so let's go all in on that, that one thing. Uh, number two, let's just understand this idea of the interference effect. Let's do one thing at a time. So what is your priority for today? And it should be a very specific thing. It's I am going to get stronger. I am going to build muscle. I want to work on my speed. I want to work on my long duration endurance. Uh, pick that one thing and that's the goal. It's not, well, I'm going to lift and then I'm going to do some sprints afterwards and then I'm going to do all this metabolic training. That's not a good plan right now. Uh, focus on the one thing, go all in on it and see those numbers get better. You should be getting stronger. You should be getting bigger, losing weight, whatever it might be. Um, monitor those things so you know that that they're working. Um, but pick that that one thing for that day. Then you allow those adaptations to occur. Then you can get into your next day or, or take a day off or whatever you need to do um, to maximize those, those specific benefits there. Um, number three, start playing around with your nutrition a little bit. This is a perfect time to experiment, um, try try different things. There's so many things out there, it's hard to recommend like the one thing, but I think manipulating carbohydrates uh, is a great, great strategy to play around with. So think about what we've already talked about and how can you maybe do, um, you know, you, you train for performance because you're gonna do a uh, high intensity workout. Maybe we're gonna do a hill sprint workout. So I'm definitely gonna have some, con uh, consume some carbohydrates beforehand. 
post-training, maybe I'm going to stick to more um, lower carbohydrate things and proteins and fats uh, for the rest of the day. And then going to go to bed, wake up the next morning, and I'm going to just go out on a long run, low to moderate intensity in a depleted state. And then I might fuel up afterwards with, with carbohydrates again. Uh, so that could be like kind of one day out of or, or two days out of your week and how you can, you can set up this uh, carbohydrate eating plan. Um, but there's lots of other things you can play around with, you know, so, so think about your diet. Is it supporting the work you're doing? Are there any things you can, you can modify or, or change there? Um, and, and hopefully that gives you an idea of, of some things to focus on. Uh, so you can hit the ground running next year uh, when you start getting back into your races again. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, today I have another great interview. Um, in this episode, I'm going to be chatting with Gina DeSanto. Uh, Gino is with uh, Gina Core Fit. She has 20 over 20 years experience in the fitness industry. She's an SGX coach, nutritionist, as, as well as many other uh, things. Gina, thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you. This is an absolute honor to be a part of your show. I've been listening to you for, uh, I think, all of your podcasts. So I totally love listening to you. Um, just wanted to say how awesome it is to be here. I'm very, very happy. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm excited to have you on here. There's a, a, a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. But before we jump in too much, if you can just let our listeners know just a little bit about you and kind of how you got into this whole OCR world. Okay. Um, well, it actually started, um, I was going into fashion. That was my... Um, what I wanted to do. I'd lived in England for a while and I wanted to study fashion. And I started there with the idea like fashion was my, my calling. But when I moved to Germany, um, this was right when the wall came down. So it was like six years after the wall came down, I moved to East Germany and I discovered aerobics. And I was like, this is super cool. I didn't really understand what it was all about, but I loved it. And I actually started to, I didn't speak German but um, they needed an aerobic instructor. And I thought, well, this is so cool. So I taught myself the numbers in German, the body parts in German, and I would just watch German television and I learned how to teach aerobics. So that's how I started the fitness industry is I started teaching aerobics. Um, so I did that, I lived in Germany for four years. And then I moved to Miami Homestead where um, I couldn't work um, because I was, a Canadian citizen and I couldn't live, I couldn't be in America and work there, but I could actually own a business. So first I became a volunteer and started teaching at the YMCA. I taught Taibo, uh, kickboxing. Um, and again, I wanted to like do this properly. So I started taking martial arts and I started to get, I got a brown belt in martial arts so I could be authentic in teaching this new style. Um, so then when I, got the um, opportunity to own my own business, that's when I started to really think this is still an amazing career to be in fitness. Um, after that, I actually moved to um, St. Petersburg um, where things got a little different and more stressful. I had two kids at the time and I was only teaching some classes. And um, unfortunately, or depending on how you look at it, um, my husband at the time, um, we had a divorce. He actually cheated on me, which um, was a very big blow 
to my whole life. My whole life was turned upside down, um, was with him for 19 years. But during this time, um, although I thought it was the end of the world for me, that's when I discovered obstacle course training. Um, so that's what really pulled me out of my depression is that I thought this was um, something I could do on my own. And I was just super proud of myself that I could actually accomplish these things. I could climb and do all these things I was teaching in aerobics classes and didn't think that that was a big thing. But once I discovered obstacle course, um, I just felt alive and proud. And um, like they say, you know, you'll know once you cross the finish line. And uh, that's how I really got hooked. And it is just because of that moment in my life. Yeah, I, it's always just interesting and, and fun to to talk to other coaches and learn kind of how they got involved. And then I got to hear, you know, lots of different reasons. And it but I think it all kind of comes down to it. It's just a cool sport that kind of fills that void that a lot of people have for a lot of different reasons where they're just like something's missing or it, or it just brings them out of wherever they were. So it's just always just really cool to see these stories and how the sport has has really done so much for people and I know that's one of the reasons I love being involved with it from the racing side and just being in the community and talking with other um, participants and coaches it's really cool yeah yeah it's uh definitely exciting and being a part of that community and seeing people and and how they achieve it is just it's a great it just is so inspirational I just love it and I mean it you know hearing your story um it's just pretty neat. You've, you've had a lot of um, obstacles, you know, in the way or, you know, you know, being in Germany. And I just find that incredible, not speaking the language yeah. and just saying, I want to do this yeah. and teaching yourself. I mean, that's just an incredible story and how much <laughs> passion you must have for it and just determination to like, Hey, I'm going to just do this, even though I have this huge barrier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it is true. Like, I think that's with, well, for me personally, every time, you know, you feel like it's the end of something and you have to dig deep and figure out what is your calling or what, 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 what makes you happy. And, um, and fitness made me happy. I just had to figure out, like, I was just doing these little classes before, but once my life hit that, um, huge uh, obstacle. Like I didn't know what I was going to do, move back to Canada with my family, or I was a single mom of two kids. I felt so hopeless and so alone. Um, but, and that's, you know, and I became a personal trainer in that time. I realized like, I can't be this stay at home mom anymore. I need to, and so I became a personal trainer and I started seeing results. But once I became a nutritionist, I was like, oh my goodness, like that's where it's all pulling together. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do with these three things? And then when I did the obstacle course, it was so good because I, I did it when it was really new. So I performed, I just jumped into the elite heat, like just jumped right in. And it was so awesome that I actually think I came in third in the elite. And it was amazing because um, it was just starting to get known. So yeah, it was, yeah. and it just felt good for me because I had such low self-esteem that made me feel like, wow. I actually might be good at what I do. Like all this, what I'm doing for myself is helping and I want to help others achieve that. Absolutely. That's a huge accomplishment, just jumping in and, yeah. and having success there. So that's, that's so cool. Um, so I, I do want to bring up, so um, I know you had a pretty significant injury Yeah. and um, another obstacle that you had to overcome, but um, you, you were able to. So it, let us know a little bit about, about the injury that you suffered. 
Yes. So, um, you know, when I hit 40, that's when I started doing obstacle courses, which I totally loved. But then at about 45, I started getting these weird kind of injuries and I couldn't figure out really what it was. It was started off with the hamstring finger pointing pain. And I did everything I thought was right. Um, I mean, I teach Pilates. I thought I was good. My core strength was strong, but I just kept on getting this nagging pain um, and it just got worse and worse. It wasn't one incident where I felt like, boom, you blew your back. It was just a constant, gradual pain that got worse and worse. Um, and I stopped, like I was doing acupuncture, everything you could possibly imagine I tried doing. Um, and then I finally got the MRI. And when he said, you have a ruptured disc, L4, L5. And then I was like, of course, like I could barely walk at this time. I could, from doing 15,000 steps a day, I was down to 2,000 steps a day. I could not stand longer than two minutes. My back would be killing me and I'd have to sit down. I was teaching classes on a Swiss ball, just saying, do this, do that. So, I mean, it was, it was painful. And um, I started doing um, a McKenzie method, which is a, a great way to help naturally, um, you know, have the back, the bulging disc go back into place. Um, I didn't even know that the discs could go back. I thought you had to have surgery and I wanted surgery because I was experiencing such the biggest amount of pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, but they said, you know, I went to two different doctors and they said, if you can just time, just, just wait it out, do what you can and rest. And of course, I don't know what rest means. So, <laughs> so that is so difficult. So I tried my best. And every time I'd go forward, it was like four steps back. So I start running, bang, I'd go back. Um, so it was really McKenzie method. I found a great chiropractor that does some soft tissue um, mobilization skills with scraping and, and cupping. That helped me. Um, at that time, CBD oil or anything like that, I didn't have that option. I would have done that for sure. But at that time, I just, it wasn't available to me. Um, but that helped a lot. Um, and being in the pool every day, I would be in the pool, just being like, just submerging and doing nothing. <laughs> it was, it was really tough. It was time rest. And I know everyone hates that word is rest. Um, the medication painkillers did not work for me. Um, it was just didn't work, but you know, me being moving with the McKenzie method, um, really helped. And then my chiropractor really helped me get through it in time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to give, uh, our listeners an idea when you say time, just for you from when, let's say from when you got that diagnosis of what was going on to where you felt like you were finally over it, I mean, uh, how, how long did that take? Yeah, I think um, a year, one year, mm -hmm. I think two years in total, like playing around, like I call it playing around because I didn't want to go to the doctor and figure it out. I thought, oh, I'll figure this out. I'll get massages. I'll do mm -hmm. acupuncture. I'll do creams, potions. And I did everything, vitamins, and it just didn't help. And then it just got worse. And then that's when I finally said, okay, I'll do an MRI. And then, then I realized, okay, this is pretty serious. And he described it pretty, pretty well when he said, you have a scab, Gina, and every time you go forward too hard, you're opening up that scab and it starts to hurt again. So then when I really started thinking about it, I was like, okay, I can only walk. I can't really run. And it's actually, it was actually was kind of good timing for me because that's when we were in the pandemic and we were at home. 
So I couldn't work and I could just focus on myself. And that actually helped me just calm down, rest, walk, don't run yet and uh, take it easy. Yeah. I, you know, I love the that scab analogy. I just think that's such a good way to look at it. And people have a hard time understanding when you have an injury, you know, internally that you're not seeing, it's kind of like having a cut on your skin. And if you just go up and just keep rubbing that cut over and over again, it never gets the that time to heal. Um, and we have to think of those injuries as the same way. They, they take time. And there's things you can do, obviously, that are going to help. Um, but that's the hardest part is there is a factor of time. And um, I think for some injuries, like you said, a year, maybe longer yeah. is... Yeah that's what it's going to take. And like, and I think what, what I'm hoping our listeners are getting from this is you, you didn't do nothing. It wasn't like a pity party. Obviously we all go through those things where we're bummed. You're not doing the things that you want to do, but you started to say, I can walk, I can get in the pool. And I think that's, that's the important thing is where am I at right now? Have your goal. Like I want to get back to racing. I want to do these things, whatever it might be. Um, but just going Going through this process, I think, is really important because this is the quickest way to get back. A year might be quick yeah. for, for, for this type of injury, or you just keep pushing through, and now you don't have a choice. Now you have to have surgery, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th I just think that's a great message to, to put out there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does take a lot of patience, um, for sure. And being creative, um, where a trainer could help you, where you could just like, I did a lot of grip strength during that time because it felt so good just hanging. <laughs> so decompressing my spine yeah, and you yeah. know, I was, you know, just holding on my grip strength and, and things like that. But I was lucky to have a pool. Um, but, um, you know, it does, it, it is a really hard thing to do is to rest and take it yeah. easy. Absolutely. But finding those things you can do and like you can still work on things that won't interfere and, and uh, cause problems. And I know, um, you know, I did, I dealt with the same thing last last year in Tahoe. I tore my pec. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same yet. It's it's yeah. pretty good. A lot of it's in my head, too, on how much I want to push it. Yeah. Um, but this whole time I've been able to do a lot of things. I just know the things that I um, are going to be at a high risk that I might re injure it. So yeah. I'm just very cautious on those things, but there's a lot of other things that I have no, that right away I could do. So yeah. I just made sure this is what I'm going to focus on yeah. and get really good at these things. And then when the time comes, I'll get back to it. But uh, there's always something you can do out there. Yeah. It's patience. And yeah, it does change your, your thought when you go into a race the next time is I'm always fearful of my back. It doesn't go away. And mm -hmm. you know, this isn't my first back issue. This was, I had a, I had warnings, you know, 10 years ago where I kind of hurt my back and then this was w bigger. Um, so I'm always conscious of how I do things and think about my back first and I'm not going to take a risk. Like if I do those, if I do an obstacle course and I know it's going to hurt my back, the bucket carry is a killer on my back. So yeah, yeah. I, I do the best I can and I brace my core, but that's the one I'm really scared of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just do the best you can. and and um just remember there's a cost if you push it too hard. And, and if you want to get back to racing and race often, um, sometimes you make those little sacrifices or you take breaks or whatever you need to do. And, um, and it's all good, right? You keep, keep getting to race. Right. Awesome. So how you, uh, everything's pretty good now with, with those injuries and you feel pretty recovered other than, you know, still being cautious with things, you yeah, feel pretty I, much in the clear. 
Uh, yeah, well, I I actually did get an alter M- another MRI because I, I get these little scares, um, and he did take another MRI, and it was incredible to see the disc actually go back. Like it's slightly hanging out, but mm-hmm. he even said like, "This is awesome, Gina. Whatever you're doing, continue to do it." And I think um, I was all like core crazy, like working my abs all the time, mm-hmm. where I really kind of was neglecting the reverse, the back. And so sure, I yeah. see now, like you know, just more working the maltifidus and focusing on that. Um, so it does help to, um, again, I'm always thinking about my back and I, I still like the beast that's coming up, being on your feet for that long to me that I think back. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm just, you know, got to stretch up my back, do my squats. Cause that always helps stretching the back. So always yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. 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 And, and um, another thing too, I, I, I don't want to uh, jump ahead yet. Uh, the fact that you got a diagnosis, I think is such an important step and how, and I think we're all guilty of it, right? You have this thing going on. You're like, oh, I'm going to stretch or rest it a day or whatever. And then it just never quite goes away and you keep guessing. And then you go online and then you never want to go to like WebMD or, or in a Facebook group and have people try and diagnose you online. It's like, see a professional and, and now you have an answer. Now you understand like what, what I should do. Um, or at least have the best, uh, best path that you can take to get over it as quickly as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I basically did that for a year and I wasted thousands of dollars of mm. playing around with all these different like massage therapists and, and it was just not helping. And I, I don't know, denial, I guess. I didn't want to think that it could be anything. I don't know why I didn't just yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're all, we're all guilty of it. So this is a nice thing for hopefully others to learn. Uh, from our mistakes is when you, when you have those injuries, you know, find out what's going on. Cause you're yeah. going to be able to solve it way faster. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I, I need to get to, um, uh, Greece because, yeah. uh, I've been there once and yeah. it is amazing. Yeah. So I want to hear about the, the Spartan event out there and yeah. just, uh, everything, everything that you're willing to share, but, um, I guess first, let's just start like your overall experience. Just how how did it go? What did you think? Yeah, well, it was a birthday present because I just turned 50 and my husband was like, what better way to celebrate my 50th would be because I love Spartan, the whole thing. I'm a geek when it comes to all of that. But when he said like, let's go to Sparta where it originated from and I was just so excited. So just and I wanted to really absorb everything I did not want to go into the competition I actually have not done a trifecta in one year this will be my first year doing a trifecta in one year because my back always pulled me away from it like it was always an injury by the time that beast came I was injured but um anyway so it was just an amazing experience absolutely it was when I, we arrived for opening, opening ceremonies, it had an Olympic feeling. Like it was the Olympics, like these countries, I think it was 78 countries that were being representative and 3000 participants that were there. Um, it was just amazing seeing all these different countries, everyone cheering, all their uniforms, all matching. It was, it was a great experience. And then running through and seeing them going through the town the town Sparta really embraces the Spartan race. They have it situated right through their town center. 
those restaurants and cafes, the old, the young are all sitting there drinking and cheering us on going, bravo, bravo. And little yeah. kids are coming up, giving us fist pumps. Like I was in the last heat. Like this was the last heat. All the professionals have already ran through and they were still cheering us on like we were heroes and giving Super us, cool. oh my gosh. And going through the little towns and they were stopping and giving us applause. Like I have never felt so like, it was a spiritual event. Like it was amazing. So I did feel like an Olympian, even though I was just running in open heat, the last one. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, that's such a big part of, you know, any Spartan race, but when you're in an environment like that, to be able to, you know, do the race, but really just sit back, take it in, yeah. you know, have fun with it and just yeah. be in place that there's just, you're not going to experience that very often if, no. you know, maybe once in a lifetime. So that's such a cool, a cool thing to get to, to do. Um, yes. I so ran was it with it, my you... husband, sorry, I ran it with my husband and he was able to video me because I have never I've usually run through these things so fast that you don't even take the time. So that was super special where he literally videoed me going through these obstacles and getting through them. Cause I wanted to focus on, I said, I, I want to enjoy this, but I want to focus on the obstacles. This is a great time to get through the bender and all these, that all these different obstacles and do well. Mm -hmm. So that was also a great moment to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to do it together. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were supposed to do Italy, um in 2020 so that never happened unfortunately mm -hmm. so um we're just trying to hopefully figure out the next one somewhere out there to someplace new to get to experience a race like that it would it would be awesome um yeah. so was it uh if with the obstacles was it pretty much what we would see in the in the states was it significantly different anything um, kind of cool I, out there i thought well the um the spirit throw was, uh, I think it was the old school spirit throw where they just wrapped like haystacks. So by the time you came to it, it had a bunch of holes in it. Uh, and uh, the spear was warped like in a, like a semicircle. Of course, I failed that uh, obstacle. So when I threw it, it was like, and it went like around the corner. Boomerang. Yeah. They said that that was <laughs> the highest failure obstacle of the whole event was the spirit throw. But Luckily for the beast, um, they renewed, they, they had brand new, um, spears and they wrapped it up again. So that was good. Um, yeah, because yeah. it was a miserable day for the beast. It was pouring rain full of mud. Um, also I've never seen the chain before. It's this massive chain that you put over your neck and you walk around that. I was, that was brutal for me. I, I didn't even put it on my shoulders. I, I knew that I would compress my spine and yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. no way, but I've never seen that before. So maybe you have. No, no, I've never seen a, a chain obstacle. Could you carry it any way you, you wanted? Did uh, uh, like yeah, you, you drag it, it or? I think it was actually, um, it was, if you failed the obstacle, you had to carry the chain around your neck for a, okay. a little, like a little loop. Um, which I was struggling. Like I couldn't even get it out. It weighed like, to me, it felt like a hundred pounds. I was trying to pull it out of there and it was not happening. Um, but I talked to other people that were from America and they were like, they called, they called it more like old school Spartan races. So uh, their yeah. thing was, it was more rough, harder, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more brutal um, compared to the U S. 
So that's that's gotcha. what they commented on. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I can remember with a chain, I remember one of the first ones I've done. They had this one obstacle that it was a chain attached to a like a stone or a cinder block or something, and you had to like drag it up this hill and then drag it down, <laughs> and just very awkward and and yeah. heavy. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing else like that with the chain. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, how was the um like the terrain? So you mentioned going through the city, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. was it mountainous, um, countryside? What what kind of uh scenery yeah. did you get? We went through a river multiple times. Um sorry, I don't remember of the course. name of the river. Um yeah. yeah, so that was pretty cool. We um very much rocky terrain, the cobble like old ancient um Sparta. So the cobblestone was actually really mm. hard. Um just okay, your ankle yeah. was going back and forth, back and forth through the terrain there. Um, so you did have different um, um, styles, like just a little bit of concrete through the streets, not too much hill. Like I was in um, Monterey's race, the sprint, that was a huge climb up. This one was definitely flatter, but still a little bit of hills, more valley side. Gotcha, gotcha. And then you just take in that scenery as you're going, oh. which is I'm sure incredible. Yeah, it was. I mean, just going through ancient um, Sparta was just, it just gave me chills. And to know that battles were fought there before us and, and just the whole, you know, the whole Spartan belief. So I, I truly enjoyed it. It was just a wonderful experience. Awesome. Uh, did you get to to hang out there for, for some time, either before or after the race and just explore and yes. enjoy it? Yes, of course, after the race, we, um, we did go to the, uh, the, we went to a winery, an organic winery. Um, so that was fun. Um, we also went to just some little bit of sightseeing, um, the caves of Dios. Um, so it was just a little bit that we could travel close by that wasn't too far away. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I wanted to do more hikes and we had such a rainy day, but I thought there was there's so, so many castles that you could explore. So I definitely wanted to explore more hikes and do some some castles, but um, we were only there for such a short time. Yeah, you'll just have to go back then, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I and now you have another big event coming up yes. with the uh, the Deco World Championships. So I'd love yes. to talk about yeah. that a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so are you competing? Uh, which are you doing multiple events there, or yes. uh, which races are you competing in? doing in two events i'm doing the deca fit and the deca mile and um, i actually qualified in the end for the deca strong i mean i was number 25 but i don't want to do that one. <laughs> 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 that's not my favorite one the other okay. two i like the running in between um mm -hmm. so those are my two events that i'm leaving tomorrow um to perform in my age group um so i'm super excited because when i did the deca fit. I actually just recovered from COVID. So I wasn't my best and I didn't perform spectacular. I just finished it and I felt good. I just didn't want to overdo it. So yeah. I was lucky enough to be a uh, roll down certain like qu qualified, but I knew just by that, I could definitely take five minutes off of my mark because I was purposely going slower. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The deck of uh, mile, I'm super excited about because I still am eighth place overall. So I feel like that might be my my best performance. 
Um, so I'm, I'm just so pleased and I just love DECA. Um, I actually ended up becoming certified in DECA because again, I just, anytime I learn something, I want to know everything about it. Um, just because it, it's great for people that want to have a mark and then they keep on improving it. And it's just, and they make you feel special. Like it, it's great, like to have these people being able to go to an event and to participate in a world championship. So and all age groups, I'm a total fan of age group um, uh, medals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had um, at, at my studio, one of my clients, 73, and his daughter-in-law wanted to do uh, the um, the deck a mile. And uh, he was like, I don't know, maybe. And it was kind of back and forth. And and I told him, I looked at the uh, the leaderboard and there was only two uh, 70 to 75 year olds on there. So I'm like, listen, you can take five hours if you want. You're going to be at least number three. Yeah. And I don't know if that really motivated him too much, but he's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. So, um, nice. so he's, uh, I haven't looked in a little while, but he was third. Um, oh, so cool. and, uh, he did it again and, uh, beat his time by a little bit. So it was, it was just cool. Right. It's just yeah. competing against himself really. Um, yeah. but just to see, Hey, not that many people are even doing this. And that says a lot about your ability right now is that you can do this and, and you absolutely. did amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a great event because it's, it's safe. That's number one. I always think it's a safe workout. Um, we all work out in the gym some way, somehow. So it's very yeah. achievable to go to it mm -hmm. and then to give these opportunities to these small gyms to be able mm -hmm. to do the two events there and then take yeah. it to a bigger event and then to take it to one more step further for the world championship. It, it's just a great business idea and it, it yeah. really helps people being motivated. Um, so I'm a huge fan. It, it's just yeah. great to be a part of it. Absolutely. And like me personally, uh, with, with my injury, I haven't been able to race much for um, um, many of the obstacles, just I'm not hundred percent ready for them yet, mm -hmm. but, and I know me, and if I go out there, I'm going to try and, push too hard so I'm just yeah. trying to be cautious but with the DECA stuff I feel great nothing there and I can yeah. test it all out you know we have the equipment so I can just see I feel pretty good doing this and yeah. and I can push it and I have no problem there so I kind of made that switch over this year I'd like to get back on the course as well yeah. um, but at least I have something that's really kind of pushing my training right now which is um, always always a good thing for sure and for me so, this is my DECA after DECA, I'm going to have the Beast in Florida. So that's December 9th, I think it is, or 10th. Um, oh. That'll be the final for me, the trifecta of my, and I don't normally stack my races like this. I like to have my favorite race and then kind of do my little resting in between. Um, yeah. But just the way the cards fell, but I feel like it's not too bad um, because DECA is totally different from what is expected for yeah. the Beast. Um, so I think my training will be okay to get to the, the, um, the beast in, in December. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you a little bit about that because I know a lot of people do this, right. Where they have a, a beast or, or a, a longer race or, or even a sprint and maybe a deca thrown in there and, and obviously training for each will help each other, but is there anything, you know, in particular you're trying to do right now to help prepare for, you have this big world championship, but right behind it you need to be also ready for that longer event. Um, so kind of what's your thought process trying to plan for, for different things like that? Yeah. Well, I just picked my favorite race. So my favorite race uh, to, to perform the best would be DECA. 
Um, second, I'm actually going to be in the age group um, heat for the beast. Um, so that one I'm most scared of, but it will be, I still want to, you know, achieve it and still work hard on it. So just being able to understand that my gears won't be as fast. So I've been trying to run a little bit further, longer, but slower. Um, so that's how I've kind of like shit, I will be shifting my training will be a little bit slower in longer distances because it's that half marathon, but yeah. it's, it's in intervals. It's not like a continuous, which I wouldn't do, <laughs> but so I think that's going to help me knowing that I'll have breaks in between that running period. Um, but yeah, that race scares me. There's no, I've done the virtual, like when we were in lockdown, I did the beast on my own and that was hard. I, you know, I did it honestly. So, um, that was, and that was again, when my back was bad. So like I was just recovering from my back. So I was slowly doing it. So this one will be, it'll be tough, but I'm, I, I, once I saw everyone in Sparta, Greece and all sizes, all ages doing a trifecta in one weekend, I was like, oh, please, I can do this. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to complain. I got this. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you, you're leaving tomorrow. You said, um, what was your plan kind of for this week, just to prep for, for such a big event for for yourself? Um, so I last workout was yesterday for me and I just worked on high intensity interval training. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that, you know, being comfortable with my heart rate elevated. Um, I only had one opportunity to do the whole kind of like mock by myself. Um, there's only one gym that offers it and it's an hour away. Um, my gym that I coach at, we have partial equipment. So I, I got to train on there. So I would just do like the bike and the farmer's carry um, and, you know, little things like that. And then at my home, I still have the box jump overs. So I was practicing the box. Um, so I kind of split it into little um, groups and focused on like at another gym, I would work on the rower. So I had basically four different gyms I had to go to <laughs> to hey, get changed. Yeah. So, but it, it keeps it interesting. It keeps it fun. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how I trained for it. Okay. Awesome. And then, uh, so when you get back, uh, so you're, you're gonna have to recover a little bit and then you got your eyes on that beast. Any, any thoughts on kind of your plan to get back into it or you're going to take some time off or, or you just need to get, get right to it. And um, when I get back from DECA, yeah. And then start getting ready for the beast. Uh, like yeah. the week you get back, um, yeah. Uh, well, what's your kind of plan to resume again? Yeah. So definitely as a woman turning 50, I realized that I, I do need to rest and making mm -hmm. sure like nighttime is really different. Well, not all women are the same, but at nighttime, um, we, like I go through night sweats and hot flashes. And so I'm going through all these experiences. So number one is rest. So I'll see how I'm feeling and see how much sleep I'm getting, because I feel if, I, if I'm not getting my sleep, everything is going to fall apart. So I might take a couple, I might take a week off and then understand that that's okay. Um, and that I'll just slowly get back into it and start running um, the distances. I just want to make sure that I'm not going to get hurt in that race and making sure that I cardiovascular, I feel like I'll be okay. Cause you can always walk it. You don't have yeah. to run the whole thing. Um, again, remembering that I'm doing my age group. So it's other women who are going through the exact same thing as me is 50 years old to 54. Um, so just to put things into perspective, I think 
for me, it's a mental game. I'm, you know, I'm hard on myself, but in this environment, I just have to realize that it's okay and I got to do what I can do. Absolutely. I think that's great advice and it's, it's okay to rest. And sometimes resting is exactly what you need and you're going to bounce back stronger and be ready mentally and, and physically versus trying to come back and, and push through craziness. And now you're hurt and you're dealing with knee issue or a back issue and now trying to get through the race. So I, I just think keeping those priorities right and knowing your body and, and keeping everything in perspective is, is yes. going to be ideal. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before I let you go, I always love asking what's uh, if we let's focus on that beast right now. What's what's the least favorite thing? I, I think you mentioned the bucket, but um, any other obstacles that uh, you're just not looking forward to that much? Oh, um, gosh, now my mind just went blank. It's it's <laughs> it's the I don't know if it's the it's like the wall that's on an angle and you have to have a chain and then there's holes. Oh, the Olympus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did that. I failed that one in uh, Greece. And so mm -hmm. that one, I, I have, I, I just cannot get a grip. I slide. It's just a mess. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think many will agree. That's, that's the one I hurt myself on. So. Oh my um, gosh. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, they've, they've really made that one a difficult one. So. Yeah, is it like slippery now? Like there's no yeah. shoes that can get on there. Like it's, I don't it's understand. tough. You got to get really high and, and, uh, hold on tight. And if it's wet, you know, yeah, you're doing <laughs> do the best you can. And if you, <laughs> if you fall off, you fall off, don't do what I did and, and try and hang on with one arm and, <laughs> and, oh. uh, and hurt yourself. Oh, that's but, sucks. um, well, let's turn around. So what are you looking forward to? What's, what's your favorite obstacle that you're going to see? Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's, I love the rope climb. It just makes me feel strong and I, I can do that one. So it's an, yeah. obviously a good one. And I, you know, you just look at it and um, making sure it's dry, like little things you got to think about um, because sometimes they're completely wet and you can slip right off and getting your footing right. And the J climb is what I like to do. Um, you know, I love the monkey bars too, but I obviously don't like the multi-rig where there's like ropes and chains. Oh, I don't like the, anytime I have to lache, that's tough. Those ones yeah, are scary. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah so there's many that I like. Um, obviously the spirit throw, that's a mental game, man. It's all sure. mental. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, well, if, if, uh, some of our listeners want to learn more about you and, and maybe just check out some of the, the pictures from Greece and, and, uh, some of your other races, uh, where can they learn more about you? Um, well, I actually, I'm on Facebook, um, or Instagram, uh, under Gina Corfit. Um, or Gina Core Fitness. Um, but um, yeah, that's where I'm, I have my personal training business is there and I do clients online, um, also in person here in uh, Seminole, Florida. And then I also coach at ISI Elite Training, which I'm really loving that style of training. It's very similar to Spartan's beliefs. Um, so I like coaching there too. Um, but um, yeah, so those are my two places that um, I'm feeling my best at right now. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll put links too. So uh, make it easier for, uh, for people to find you on there, but thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing some of your, your thoughts and experiences and, and hopefully our listeners got a lot out of this. Oh, thank you. And I do want to say one thing. I wish your podcasts were counted as continuing education. I think you should put that forward 
and see if we can get that because, you know, you have so much knowledge and it's always great to listen to you. For one, you never put me to sleep. So I like listening to your voice. How's it? All you right. know, you can make that information very boring, but you, you do a great job. So I just wanted to say thank you for doing what you do um, yeah. because you've kept me motivated. Um, you've taught me so much. Um, so thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. And uh, and if I can ever get uh, CCs for this stuff, I'll, I'll let you know. That'd be awesome. Okay. Good. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 96 of the OCR Underground show. If you want to check out any of the links mentioned in today's episode, make sure you head on over to OCRUnderground.com slash episode dash 96. I want to give a big thanks to today's guest, SGX coach Gina DeSanto. Uh, thanks so much for uh, sharing her expertise and experience, and hopefully you got a lot out of that, uh, that interview and can apply some of those things into your training. Uh, also, a big thanks to this episode's sponsors. Make sure you check out AminoCo at aminoco.com OCR. Don't forget you can use that code OCR to save 30% on any of their awesome amino acid supplements. Uh, also, check out Venga CBD and all their great recovery and support uh, CBD products at vengacbd.com slash OCR. And in that link, you're going to see a couple more promo codes so you can save big on, on your order there. Uh, well, that's all for this time. Uh, until next time, keep training smarter.